and welcome to the Birth Story Therapist Podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journeys, and how they manage their mental health along the way. Come here every week to hear from mamas who are just like you, figuring it out one day at a time. Hear from myself, Crystal, licensed therapist, host of this podcast, and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling. I specialize in maternal mental health, if you haven't guessed already. I'll share helpful tips and techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period, as well as bring on other mamas so you can gain from their history, their stories, maybe some gems that you can apply to your motherhood journey. And of course, I also have on professionals within the maternal mental health space that might be able to offer additional techniques and resources to help you along the way. So I am very excited to have another one of our special mamas join us today. Who is going to be sharing with us her beautiful story. I know that um, this is something that many of you are going to be able to walk away from and just feel encouraged and inspired within your own motherhood journeys. Um, so while you're sharing, just know that you have my unconditional support and um, I'm here just extending you all the grace throughout this hour that we spend together. So tell us, who are you and any other information that might be helpful? All right. So, hey, mamas. Um, my name is Shana DeWitt. Um, I am the mom of a sweet little girl named Eden, who is almost 14 months old. Um, 40 hours out of my day or week each, um, each week is spent dedicated to being the director of two um, housing disaster programs for the state of Texas. Um, I'm married um, to a uh, sexy husband named Chad, who is a uh, in the military. He's in the army, so we're a military family, and that's pretty much um, who I am. You're so funny. You're like, am I sexy <laughs> husband? <laughs> Gotta boost him up. Gotta boost him up. <laughs> right, and I'm sure we'll get right into that boosting up in a second. <laughs> So, yeah, so walk us through um, your birth story um, and what that looked like for you. Um, So my birth story goes back to Chad and I met back in undergrad in college at Winthrop University. Um, I would say that we uh, dated and were in a relationship um, for a number of years, and we got married back in 2017, I will be the first to say that I've always been one of those ladies who was not dying to have children at all whatsoever. <laughs> I was somebody who was, you know, into my career, moving up the ladder, um, and just trying to be the best version of myself. So um, all of that was going well until I started nearing the age of 30. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be an old mom. Um, so I think it's time uh, to start talking about having children. And so we uh, decided that we were going to start trying to have a child back in, um, I think it was around February of 2019. Um, and I was one of those people who thought it was going to happen right away, but it, it, it did not. 
Um, so I ended up going to, you know, because there's a science behind conceiving and becoming pregnant. Um, we, we always, uh, look at becoming pregnant as we see them in the movies, like it just happens and go on and so forth. But for me, it didn't quite happen like that. And I ended up going to get like an ovulation test to kind of figure out what time of the month I was ovulating and so forth. So that happened to be around the same time that I took the test that I was ovulating. So we're like, okay, let's try, let's do this thing. Um, And then from there, I did get pregnant right away after I could figure out when exactly I was ovulating. Um, so, um, got pregnant, everything was, went well throughout my pregnancy. I was healthy. I worked the entire time. I did not experience any type of morning sickness whatsoever. I wasn't, um, for the most part outside of the first, you know, trimester, I was pretty upbeat, very energetic. My normal self, um, didn't experience any issues at all. Um, so I would say for me, it was the perfect pregnancy that, you know, any woman would probably want. (laughs) Um, I did have a few things here and there, but nothing that really impacted me very much. I had like low iron, um, low platelet counts that became a big deal nearing the end of my pregnancy. Um, and it turned out that because of my low platelet count that I had to become induced, um, early. So I, um, was induced at 38 weeks because of my low platelet count. Um, The reason that took place is because I decided, you know, even before I just, we decided to go through with um, getting pregnant, um, I decided that I wanted to have a black physician who could tell me, you know, everything about um, being a black woman woman pregnant. Um, In today's society, Black women are dying consistently during childbirth. So I know I wanted um, a physician that could tell me all about what I could expect. And so I wanted a natural pregnancy. I did not want any type of medicine whatsoever. I wanted to just experience, you know, childbirth in a natural format. But my physician told me, he said, um, Shane, I think you should utilize Western medicine <laughs> and take advantage of Western medicine. And because of your low plate, low platelet, if you do want to, you know, um, have the option of having an epidural, like we need to induce you because if your platelet counts drop too low, you cannot have an epidural. So just to keep that epidural option on the table is why I got induced at uh, 38 weeks. So my pregnancy or my birth experience um, during labor and delivery, I would say, was very difficult. It was nothing um, like I expected it would be. It was difficult. It was challenging. My my doctor had boosted me up some somewhat and said, you know, Shana, you're tall. Tall women have easy deliveries. You're going to do just fine. That was a complete lie. <laughs> I, I did not experience it any easier than the next because I'm tall or fit. Um, it was difficult. And I would say that I was exhausted mentally and emotionally and physically. Um, and then um, we ended up having our sweet girl um, on January the 29th around 9 p.m. Um, after being physically exhausted. I always, my, if you ask my husband, he will tell you that I did not have 
Eden at all. Um, just something inside of me, God, somebody birthed Eden because I totally was out of breath by the time that she ended up coming. So that is uh, how my birth and the labor and delivery story went. Um, pretty challenging, great all through pregnancy, no issues, and a struggle during the actual delivery portion. Wow. And what's crazy is I've known you for quite a bit, but I don't think I've ever even heard you like get this into detail. So I'm so glad that we're here. (laughs) So you brought up in the very beginning, an interesting, um, I guess, point that I want to, you know, exchange about. Um, And that was, you were not initially that person who wanted to have kids or have kids mm-hmm. immediately. Like you wanted to focus on your career. And we both know because, you know, we're women in a career and yeah. um, that sometimes we have these expectations that are placed on ourselves, um, either internally or externally, be it family, be it society, be it even our spouses. Um, talk to me about the expectations that you felt during those periods where you wanted to focus on your career, but maybe, um, there was a tug of war internally and externally with where you were with, with having a child. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is it it was internally for sure. I don't think there was anything externally that was, um, motivating me or pushing me away from the idea of becoming a mother. For me, I think for me being a, a double minority, I would say, you know, a woman and a black woman at that. Um, I always wanted to challenge myself internally to see not only where I could go, but how high I could go. Um, So career was one of the top things. You know, I didn't necessarily just want to be somebody's manager. I wanted to be a leader for some entity or organization. Um, So the idea of that being a double minority is just like you have to do what you have to do. Like if you want to make it, (laughs) you 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 don't you don't want to introduce anything new or outside of the normal scope into the mix um, when you're trying to climb up the ladder. So for me, it was something internally for sure that was pushing me away from, you know, having kids earlier or sooner than I actually did. Yeah, yeah. And I think there are a lot of people out there who can identify with, you know, as you say, you know, being a double minority um, and kind of trying to balance, you know, what those... um, internal motivations are with regard to their career and who they are as a person even. Um, But then also looking at their personal life and figuring out how all of that will come into play. Mm -hmm. Um, You made me think of an additional question, which is, you know, you talk about this um, internal drive that you felt like you had to have because of being a double minority. I'm wondering, and I know we're skipping ahead a bit, um, but how does this look, you know, having that um, to some degree of pressure or expectation that you placed on yourself or that even maybe, you know, to some degree society has placed on us <laughs> indirectly because <laughs> we have to climb so much further um, to meet our counterparts. Um, but how do you think that this comes into play with being a mom? Like, do you find yourself sometimes like struggling with the demands? Do you find yourself um, 
maybe thinking like how unfair it is, how you have to, you know, fight twice as hard as your counterparts um, while being a mama and trying to juggle everything. Could you share a little bit about that? For sure. For sure. So um, when I had Eden, um, I internally, a part of me said, okay, Shayna, do you actually want to go back to work? Like I know nowhere in my mind did I ever have the idea that I wanted to be a stay at home mom. But the idea of having a child, you know, with the ambitions that I have, I also have that ambition about being the best mom that I could be. So if that looks like, you know, staying at home for a little while to make sure that my child has everything she needs, I was cool with that for a little bit. But it became, uh, I would say sometimes parenting can look like having a full-time job. <laughs> well, listen, um, it, 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 listen it is a full-time <laughs> job let me <laughs> and and I, I realized really quickly like yeah no Shayna this is not the thing for you like as much as I love that little girl like I could not stay at home all day so I said I am going back to work and I actually went back to work two weeks prior to the actual 12-week period ending. Um, I went back at 10 weeks and I, I, I jumped back into it as if I had never left, um, which is somewhat out of the norm for the typical woman who's coming back off of you know maternity leave. Um, but for me, I was just kind of like, okay, I, I have two jobs. You know, I'm a mom and I direct this program um, and these this team of people. Um, so I... I I was able to balance it and jump right back into it because I just genuinely wanted to do well at it. Have I done the best job at balancing the two from then to now? I would say I've done an okay job, but there's been definitely been periods where I'm like, okay, Shana, you need to take some self-care time. You need to take a break. Um, Heck, I'm feeling like that a little bit right now. I'm like, okay, Shana, you should take, you know, a day off this week. Um, because back when I had Eden, I was just managing or directing one program. Now I've somehow crazily taken on directing two programs, um, in addition to parenting a one-year-old. So it can definitely be a struggle, you know, to manage both parenting and mothering and being a career-driven woman. Um, but I would say for the most part, I do a, a pretty good job at it, but I have to remind myself constantly that in order to continue doing well, I have to take time for myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I'm skipping so far ahead because you're making (laughs) so many different questions that are in this time period, but I want to, I want to go back to your birth story. But before I do that, I just want to point out the fact that, you know, you um, have done an amazing job with being uh, a working mom outside of the house. And the beautiful thing about womanhood and motherhood is that we all explore it and do it differently. And mm-hmm. the key, it sounds like um, for you, and I know for a lot of other mamas, is finding what works for you. And so you mentioned, you know, loving Eden, obviously, and um, figuring out for yourself and who you are how to juggle being outside of the home working. And for me, that looks different, right? Like I'm a stay at home Mm -hmm. working mom, right? So I Mm -hmm. run my private practice in the evenings and on the weekends and that works for me. For another mama, 
She may just completely. I know I have some friends and you know of people also maybe who um, they don't work outside of the home, nor do they work in the home. And I feel like it there there's even an expectation on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That feel like we have to sort of chip away at and support each other and knowing that, you know, you are doing enough and right. your job of being a stay at home mom, being a working mom on the outside, on the inside of the house, like it's hard work regardless. And so, you know, I just want to be able to say that and, you know, uplift other mamas who may be like, well, damn, am I doing enough? Or like, no, we are all doing enough. We are doing great. Yeah. Wherever (laughs) we are with regard to motherhood and working. Um, So you mentioned going back to your pregnancy and birth story, you mentioned that, you know, you, um, had an amazing pregnancy. It was mm-hmm. healthy and yeah. uncomplicated. And then towards the end and delivery, there were a little bit of issues there with your um, platelet count. And mm-hmm. so talk to me about any fears that you might have had going into delivery um, or labor after hearing that you would have to be induced. Much like me, I was like you, uh, where I wanted to have a natural birth. I actually labored for two days straight before it turned into a C-section. But like, talk to me about how you had to like shift your perspective um, from, you know, being maybe set on the idea of birthing your beautiful child into the world naturally and now having to, um, you know, turn to, as you say, Western medicine, because I know you are (laughs) um, a very health conscious person. So talk to me about how you shifted your perspective um, to work for you going into delivery? Oh, listen, once I felt the pain that I felt, Crystal, it didn't take me a second to say, give me the medicine. <laughs> like I am that person. Like I, I would say I, I naturally have a high pain tolerance for the most part. Um, but I don't like it. And I don't think the average person just likes to be in pain. So for me, although I wanted a natural birth, I, was not one of those people who said, you know, I'm just going to go into this deep feeling of despair because I can't have what I want. For me, it was all about doing whatever was necessary to make me feel comfortable at the time and make me get through this whole ideal of ordeal of having a child and going through childbirth. So it was not a difficult thing for me to say, Shana, accept Western medicine. Um, it it was pretty easy for the most part. Right, right. When you, um, I heard you mention also that you had a physician and you knew you wanted it to be a Black physician Mm -hmm. or African-American physician so that they could support you and you um, could build that trust as it relates to mortality rates in our community. And so having the support of someone who looked like you, um, in the birthing room, what did that do for you? And possibly even what do you think it did for, you know, you as well as your husband? Um, I I think it pretty much smoothed out our process. I felt like I was in great hands. I felt like this person who I had been um, seeing on a recurring basis over the course of my pregnancy was um, not necessarily just my physician, but uh, a part of my team. Um, somebody who genuinely wanted me um, to do well, stay healthy, um, and come out of this thing alive on the other side to be a mother. Um, so I think that was the the most um, 
the most great part of the whole perspective. And it provided the motivation and the courage that I needed to get through going into delivery saying, okay, Shana, you're going to be okay. You're in great hands. You're going to be completely fine. You're going to meet this beautiful little girl um, and go on your merry way to motherhood. Um, and I think for the most part, I, I, some, some women don't have that level of comfort going into delivery, which is very unfortunate. Um, but for me, I, I was, I felt great and comfortable going in, knowing that I had somebody who looked like me and took care of other women who looked like me. Um, so that was one of the best things for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I can appreciate the fact that you said, um, that they wanted you to see it to the other side a lot. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the part that um, resonates with a lot of women. um, And as we're talking now, specifically black women who do see these high mortality rates. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is scary. Like just understanding, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, you get pregnant and you have your baby and it's smooth sailing. And that is just not the case. Like when I have to talk to people about pregnancy, I'm like, this is a serious medical condition. Like yes. it's not, you know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. if you treated it more like an actual condition, yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it can be, you know, amazing and glorious and the highlight of your life. But it's also, it it literally can be life or death. Like it it literally can be. And so I appreciate you sharing that point. I'll tell you, I have the same intention with hiring um, my OB, who was a black woman. And unfortunately, she was not on call during my delivery. And so, you know, I do harbor a lot of, I don't know, what do you, what you mentioned comfort. I would say Mm -hmm. discomfort maybe with the idea that like, man, I wonder if my birth could have went differently if she had been there. And so I think that that's something that a lot of black women can identify with, you know, having someone who looks like you, who can hear you, who maybe um, empathizes with you. And that's not to say that our counterparts do not, but it is to say that um, sometimes, again, having someone who is from your community, um, they understand the barriers that um, exist within the medical realm um, with regard to care. So I appreciate you you sharing that. Um, So you also mentioned that your delivery was difficult and challenging being Mm. exhausted emotionally and physically. (laughs) So I'm wondering a series of questions. First question, (laughs) how did you cope during? So to some degree, it almost sounded like you disassociated or like had an out-of-body experience because you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes that happens and, you know, I can go on a rant about the number of things that that might've been, but, um, but uh, I'm just curious, you know, having had that experience, how did you cope through it? Um, and looking back, how do you think that your partner or others who may have been in the room supported you during this out-of-body experience? <laughs> oh, oh my God. Um, so it was difficult in from... The idea that, you know, my my position was like, okay, Shada, we're going to um, push three times. I need you to hold and push as hard as you can. Um, and then we'll stop and we'll take a break. 
And I would do great for like the first two pushes each time. And then I was completely exhausted and nothing would happen during the third push. Um, my husband was right beside me holding my hand the entire time. And, you know, from having a Black physician and being from the Black community, you know, there's always those older adults that don't mind getting you together and telling mm -hmm. you how it is. My physician had to tell me, okay, Shayna, I need you to let his hand go and I need you to push. Like, let his hand go. You can do it by yourself. Push. Because uh, your strength that you're utilizing to squeeze his hand is taken completely away from your idea of just pushing out the baby. So he's like, let his hand go and push. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, geez, um, I, I hear you. Like, let me pull myself together. And then I did that a series of times, but it just, you know, wasn't progressing. And when I tell you, I kid you not that I was not even pushing in my mind, at least I was not even pushing at the time that she finally just came out. Like, I just don't know what happened at that point. I was completely exhausted and I have no idea what happened or how she got pushed out because I know I didn't do it, <laughs> but I'm glad some, uh, some higher power did, um, get her out because I was just, um, exhausted, completely exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that in, in some respects, I hear women talk about that same, um, I don't know how that happened. Um, whether it was God, whether it was, <laughs> you know, your body to, to, you know, scientifically, your body does do a lot of the pushing on its own when it's ready. It does a lot of, <laughs> um, but it's just so interesting to hear that. Um, what do you think in addition to um, maybe having that old school physician who kind of got you together? Was there anything that you leaned into within yourself um, that maybe helped you get through those difficult moments throughout delivery? Um, I, I just think that, you know, being a, a woman, we're, we're no stranger to you know, odd things or difficult or challenging things, you know, taking place. So I think for me, I just leaned into the same thing that I usually leaned in, lean into, which is just um, internal self-motivation, internal self-coaching. Um, I, I do that a lot on a daily basis saying, okay, Shana, you got it. Get, mm -hmm. get it together. Just do this. You can do this. You've done many other things. Um, so this is just going to be another thing that you make it through. So just that internal coaching, um, is what I was doing, um, to get through it. I will say that there were times while I was self-coaching that I wasn't very optimistic about my self-coaching <laughs> because of the pain, um, that I was in, but I mean, I, I continued to do it and Hey, I, Eden is here in the world. So that's all that matters. It, that is what matters. That is what matters. Um, so coming off of having what you describe as a difficult and challenging delivery, what did it look like post-delivery? You know, how was that transition period to you, um, coming into and finding your footing within motherhood? Oh my God. I will say for the most part, mentally, I have been wonderful. So I, I, I wasn't, um, I didn't experience any symptoms of um, postpartum depression or anxiety or anything of that nature. So I was able to tap into motherhood um, fairly easy, I think for the most part, because 
of, you know, the hard pushing that I went through, it it did take a, a hard toll on my body. And even a year later, I'm still at that point where I'm trying to fully recondition and recover my body to operate the way that it did pre-pregnancy. Um, walking out of delivery, I had the most huge hemorrhoids. I, I couldn't even explain them. And they went away you know, fairly quickly for the most part with some self-care and sits baths and things like that. But that has been something that continues to haunt me um, postpartum uh, for sure. So that, that has been one of the most challenging things is trying to um, recondition my body to get back um, the way that it was uh, pre-pregnancy. And there may, you know, I, I'm the most realistic person in saying that sometimes because of the toll that childbearing takes on the body that you may not necessarily make it 100% to where you were pre-pregnancy, but if I can get at least 75% um, getting my digestive system and, you know, my whole immune system to operate as optimally as it possibly can, I think I would be very happy with that as well. Um, But so health-wise, I've been pretty good, but I will not say that I snapped back um, and I've been the most healthy being since giving birth because that would be a lie. Um, I think with women, it's important to be very transparent. So, you know, it allows others to tap into and connect um, and see that, hey, I'm not the only person that's experiencing that. So um, I will say that it's been a little challenging um, for me in that aspect. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about what you said is um, for the most part, we typically hear about more of the mental or psychological and emotional aspects that affect moms during that postpartum period. Um, And for you, it sounds like um, physically um, Mm -hmm. that has been more of a concern for you. And so I heard you mention that you didn't have any symptoms or don't have any symptoms of PPA or PPD or anything of that sort. Um, do you think that not being where you want to be physically, be it your digestive system, be it, you know, body image or what, whatever is it relates to, you know, physically for you, do you feel like that in some ways you have um, centered your self-care to focus on that area? Like, how are you tackling being able to um, manage where you're at versus where you were and where you want to be. I am genuinely happy with, you know, my weight and how I look appearance wise. It's more so just making sure that I get my body back to operating the way that it should be. And so for me, you know, postpartum, it has looked like going to uh, a variety of different specialists to see if they can lead me in the right direction. You know, I've gone to gastroenterologists. I've gone to see nutritionists. I've gone to see naturopathic doctors. Um, And so I will say that for the most part, um, Western medicine hasn't been the most suitable for me strictly because I found that they do a lot of prescribing and not enough listening to say, okay, what is the root cause um, of the issues that you're having? I don't want to just, you know, it's more so, okay, I'm going to give you this to try. If this doesn't work, come back. And it's more so just like pushing a whole lot of prescriptions. And 
I'm not somebody, you know, I'm not opposed to taking medicines and things like that, but I do want to know the why, you know, behind why my body is operating the way that it is. And I found that Western medicine physicians don't necessarily take the time to listen as much as those who are, you know, naturopathic doctors or holistic doctors or, or, or alternative medicine doctors who can spend two to three hours listening to my symptoms to try to pinpoint a good plan for me. Um, so I will say that's been my course of action and just realizing when something's not working, you know, a lot of times they'll, you know, Western medicine physicians will say, okay, take it for at least 30 days. Well, I know I'm on week two and I haven't seen a single change. So (laughs) I'm not necessarily knowing if I want to fully try this for a month or if I want to go ahead and start rerouting a different plan. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of time wasting, Um, A lot of prescription pushing is something that I've completely turned my cheek to, to kind of focus on my health from a holistic standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a different take that we don't typically hear so much about. And it could be because traditionally, you know, we are um, taught from an early age, you know, be it and we're not going to get into immunizations, but taught from (laughs) a very early age, um, you know, that your doctor, they know what's best for you. And mm-hmm. it's more so from um, a medical or doctor-centered model as opposed to being patient-centered. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I, I feel like that's something that maybe other mamas, I can tell you from experience, um, there are natural remedies that we have seen that have been more effective, even with me in endometriosis, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. me changing my diet and have seen tremendous success um, in that area as well. And so one of the things that uh, I thought about as you were talking about this is I would imagine that to some degree, there may be feelings of um, disappointment if something doesn't work out. Um, with regards yeah. to getting your body back to where it needs to be um, with your digestive system and whatnot. What do you do with those thoughts and those feelings? Like, how do you manage those? Because I understand you saying, you know, emotionally and mentally, you don't feel like you've um, really been down with regard to a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. But to some degree, I would imagine there has to be some sort of restructuring or reframing or challenging of your thoughts and emotions to help you Mm -hmm. because I know it's not easy to be in pain or to have to, you know what I mean? Experience struggles that come with hemorrhoids or um, your digestive tract and and things of that nature. Talk to me about that. Oh yeah. It takes constantly um, recentering on an everyday basis. Um, For me, I think one of the things that I've done well with accepting is like, okay, you know, the average person typically for the most part, for me anyway, has one bowel movement a day. So for me, I look at that as, okay, Shana's just once a day. And then you get to go on and live your life for the rest, you know, 23 and a half hours or whatever the case may be. So knowing that it's not something that is constantly in a sense, affecting me all day, Um, But just for a brief period throughout the day has been something that I've gotten through with. 
it's also been like, okay, Shana, this is just one thing. There's tons of other, you know, medicines. There's tons of uh, other research that's out there with things that you can try. Um, so this is just one thing that ne didn't necessarily work. Let's see if we can try something else. And I will say in all honesty that it can sometimes take um, a big impact on me mentally. But for me, it's more so saying, okay, Shana, this is just another thing. Um, we're going to keep working it out. Like, and I think another thing that has helped me that, um, has been such a blessing for me is that I have access to ample resources to try to help me out that some people may not have access to, you know, when you go to a naturopathic doctor or holistic medicine doctor, they don't take insurance. So having the resources to be able to say, okay, I'm just going to pay to go talk to somebody because Western medicine is not necessarily working for me. Um, has been um, a huge help for me. So just constantly recentering, knowing that it's only a small portion of my day and it's not necessarily every day. Um, and just trying to get through like that has really helped me. Yeah, you know, to some degree, it sounds like you, uh, I love that. It, 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 it's encouraging for other mamas who may be in the same situation or situation similar where they are facing obstacles or challenges to where they can also, much like you, um, are reframing um, your language that you use to yourself and maybe challenging some of the negative thoughts or feelings that come about, but also mm -hmm. to some degree, it's radically acceptance. And so the idea behind radically accepting something is, you know, you're acknowledging that this is reality and, you know, there are lots of things within it that you can control and can't control, but your focus should obviously be on what you can control. And so um, I think that I appreciate that you said that. I think it's beautiful. And it's that constant reminder to all of us who experience struggles throughout motherhood, be it this issue or another, that we do have the ability, um, if we <laughs> tap into it or lean into it, for us to radically accept some of the situations that we're in and reframe it restructure it, challenge whatever we need to in terms of our self-talk and our thoughts in order for us to just focus on what we can control and um, and move forward. I feel like that kind of changes the narrative in some, in some ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so you mentioned earlier um, that you mentioned the word self-care. And so I'm curious. So I know we spoke a little bit just now about, you know, how you focus on um, physical self-care within motherhood, but what are some other things that you do within motherhood that supports you in taking care of Shana? Um, so I, I do things that I don't do enough, but I try to do, <laughs> um, I try to, um, go, you know, I've seen a lot of different care providers to try to, you know, get my body back, you know, just feel good about myself on a regular basis, like, you know, chiropractors, acupuncturists, um, going to get a pedicure, going to get my hair done. Don't do mm -hmm. those two enough, but I enjoy them when I do go. I'm just getting out. And even, you know, as during this pandemic, it's a little difficult to, you know, get out with your kids, but, you know, just going out to the park with my daughter or just getting in the car and going for a ride or, you know, just trying to get out of a space 
Um, you know, we spent a lot of time at home because of the pandemic. So being able to say, you know, I've just been in the house too much. Um, I just need some fresh air, going in the car, going for a ride, listening to some music. Um, and just sometimes planning. I always like to, um, my husband and I love traveling uh, pre having a child. So just saying, okay, when the pandemic's over, I wouldn't mind going to these places and just seeing what places are popular travel wise has been fun for me. Um, dancing. I love dancing. Uh, so I do try to come up with choreography and things like that to help me and get me moving. So those have been some of the things that I've done self-care wise um, and just taking some time off or a day off to just go, you know, look around in a store or do some online shopping um, has been fun as well. Good, good. Um, and you mentioned one that I actually have said, okay, this year I need to really start being intentional about going to the chiropractor or getting massages uh, and just, mm -hmm. you know, paying more attention to um, giving that extra nurture to my body that it, it deserves, not just needs, but it deserves. So I appreciate you sharing those ideas as well with listeners. So I know we have not mentioned this yet, um, but share with us. We had another mama on, I believe, last week who is a military spouse. So mm -hmm. share with us a little bit about your experiences um, of being a mom and partner and how that looks being a military spouse. Hmm. Now that one's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I will say before I married my husband, I was not a fan at all of um, being a military spouse or being in a relationship with someone who was in the military. My mom, my dad was military, so my mom was married to um, someone in the military, the army as well. And I always see the, the toll that it can take family-wise, um, you know, with your partner being gone um, occasionally or for long periods of time for some. Um, so for me, I, I, I went into it optimistically and I will say that it has been a little challenging um, with being uh, a military spouse and being a mom. You know, my husband sometimes has very early hours or sometimes very late hours. You know, if he's in training, it might be an all day thing for him. So parenting a newborn um, while being uh, in a marriage with someone in the military has been a little difficult. You know, it doesn't look like the typical um, family where you just go to work and you come home and both of you are there at the same time. Um, so I think that has been challenging, um, just trying to figure out tasks and things like that and accepting um, that there's going to be time periods where he he's not around or he's busy or he's working um, has been something that has created a little bit of a challenge. Um, so that's something um, that we are constantly working on you know, trying to navigate. And, but for me, for the most part, it has been more so just uh, continuing to try to accept the situation at face value. You know, it is what it is. You know, I knew what it was going in, um, but it becomes um, a little more real when it's happening um, is how I've seen it. Right, right. And when those real moments do happen, what do you feel like has worked best for y'all that maybe another mama might benefit from hearing? 
Um, so one of the things that has worked well, so when we, uh, when Chad went back to work at, um, I think he went back to work, uh, maybe two months after Eden was born. Um, I realized quickly that staying at home all day with a newborn was taking me to burnout land really fast. So I hired um, someone, a newborn specialist to come in and help me to allow me to sleep like three hours out of the day while he was gone um, to work, to let me shower, to eat lunch, um, and to just get some additional sleep. So that, that worked really well. Um, asking for help has worked really well, which is something that I know for me, I don't always do a good job at, (laughs) Uh, but more so learning to ask for help when necessary has, um, turned out to be a, a big game changer, um, in our relationship. And it's something that I'm consistently working on trying to get better at, um, because it's so easy to just, you know, take on the load and say, well, you know, I can do it. I can do it. Of course we know we can do it, but are we too tired to do it? Do we really want to do it? Probably not so much. Um, so just learning to ask for help when necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, definitely think that that support system and you, I know are a person of resources and you mentioned earlier how, um, everyone doesn't have that opportunity to be able to hire and um, get services that you may have access to because we all come with our different and various privileges. And so mm-hmm. with you, you're able to hire this um, newborn specialist to come in and help you out. But for another mama, that could look like using your church member or using your spouse Mm -hmm. or your mother-in-law and things of that nature. So I appreciate you sharing that and further highlighting the importance of our support and even asking for help. I heard you mention that as well, which for (laughs) me is also not easy um, because I, um, one, which I've been talking about a lot today or this week on social media is being the preferred parent where your child tends to gravitate <laughs> you as opposed to your significant other. And so that presents its own challenges because you feel like you're literally doing everything um, for your kid because they want you to do everything versus their dad or mom or whomever. Um, but then also because you just have this desire to just get up and just naturally fall into the groove and get it done. Um uh-huh. And sometimes I have to also pull myself out of that and say, okay, Crystal, no, like you are, (laughs) he is equally (laughs) a part of this, you know, he is equally a part of this as you are. If you could change a diaper, he can change a diaper. Like, don't be so ready to get up. Um, Exactly. Yeah. To do everything, like tag your partner, tag your support team to jump in there because you're right. You will end up in burnout land hella quickly. (laughs) <laughs> um, be there by yourself struggling. So yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. I really do. Do you think that you and uh, your husband, and I don't know if you said his name on, on here yet. Yeah. Chad. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think that you and Chad have changed since becoming parents? And if so, how? <laughs> If you ask him, he would say, I've changed quite a bit. Um, And I think, I I think, you know, we as women, we're geared to change after becoming parents because you just learn to kind of go with doing whatever's necessary, you know, for your child. 
Um, but that also comes with challenges in terms of the dynamics of being in a relationship in a marriage, um, because you spend a lot of time focusing on, for us anyway, focusing on um, your new child to the point where sometimes your marriage or your relationship becomes neglected. Um, so I think for me going into parenthood, I said that one of the number one things that I didn't want to happen is that I didn't want to lose myself. You know, I wanted to be the same person, you know, for the most part that I was, I wanted to operate the same way that I did before. Um, but for me, so I, I somewhat came out on this other side and now am for the most part the same, but I will say that my, my marriage doesn't look the same, um, that it did before. Um, because we, again, we spend a lot of time focused on our child um, and engaged in conversations about our child and not so much about us. Um, so knowing when it's time to flip the switch to say, okay, it's important that we continue to embrace each other. It's important that we continue to love on each other. Even in the midst of becoming parents is something that we are continuing to work on every day. Um, so we have changed in that aspect. Um, we focused a lot in the very early stages of parenthood on tasks and saying, okay, it's your turn. It was your turn. I did it the last time. And so it, you know, now that our child is becoming a little bit more independent, the older she gets is more so saying, you know, I'm going to do the dishes just because I want to do the dishes. It's not necessarily my turn but I don't mind doing them. So kind of learning how to get back into the groove of marriage is something that we are having to work on. Yeah, I am, one, appreciate your transparency because um, mm -hmm. mamas do need to hear that. I too can certainly say that <laughs> it is quite an adjustment that happens when you have a little one um, and that adjustment that happens within your marriage or your relationship. And you're right, like figuring out and learning each other again and the ways in which you need to reconnect um, and embrace each other is something that it does look different once you have a child. And it is more of an intentional effort. I would even go as far as to say that. Um, For sure. <laughs> it definitely is. I, I can totally agree with what you're saying. Do you think that there are moments throughout your motherhood experience where a light bulb has went off and you said, okay, yeah, I've got this. Um, and if there's anything that has made you said, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm totally killing this motherhood thing. What do you think has helped you to really affirm who you are in motherhood, the things that you're doing and that you're a good mom and you're doing enough? Um, I think for me, it's just, it has been the simple things. It's been like, oh, Eden ate three meals a day and she's alive. Um, oh, Eden, um, Eden has every single thing that she needs and she's thriving and she's doing well. All of those things, the small things signify that I'm doing a good job um, and I'm succeeding in motherhood. The fact that she's well, that she has all of her basic needs met um, is always something to be thankful for. Um, and then something, um, you know, for me, it's always been balancing being a mom and being a career person, um, just continuing to be um, promoted at your job and your boss saying, oh, you're doing a great job. I want to give you more things just shows that I'm 
I'm able to really um, handle both and I'm doing well at both. Um, so I think all of those things affirm and continue to motivate me to continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, before we wrap up, I just want to say, I appreciate you so much saying the little things. And I chuckled over here when you mentioned, um, she ate three times today. (laughs) (laughs) And she's still breathing. (laughs) You know, I mean, I feel like we oftentimes look for other things like, you know, were were we able to go to a water park or were we, you know, those big things that, mm-hmm. you know, it, yes, we want to be able to do those things, but like, mama, you are doing enough if those feet hit the floor in the morning, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you're able to pull yourself <laughs> out of bed and I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. So I appreciate you again, reminding all of us mamas that it's the little things that maybe we can reflect on that encourage us in knowing who we are within motherhood. So thank you for that, Shana. Um, Absolutely. Before we leave, I want to ask, you know, is there anything that maybe you wish you had known before becoming a mama or that you think um, may be helpful for another mama who may be listening? (laughs) Um, Something that I wish I would have known. Oh, it's, it's not as, uh, it's not as easy as one, two, three. You know, I think a lot of the things that we do in preparation for becoming parents is, you know, we read books, you know, we look at articles, um, we download apps and it never really plays out, you know, the way, um, based on the things that we read based on, you know, going to the classes that they highly advertise, Um, for becoming new moms. So for me, I wish I had just known that, you know, we live in a very real world and to just focus on being realistic and just understanding that things are not always going to go, you know, as planned um, or as scheduled and learning to accept that um, is something that I wish I would have known, wish someone would have told me or I wish I would have read it somewhere instead of all of the other things that I've invested my time and energy in. Mm, yeah. I think that's a really good gem to end today's <laughs> episode. Um, <laughs> those expectations, man, that perfectionism that we kind of lean into in the very beginning because the books tell us that it's going to be one, two, three. <laughs> um, hell yeah. I totally agree. Um, so yeah. Thank you so much again for joining me on the Birth Story Therapist podcast and sharing your beautiful birth story and journey throughout motherhood. Um, I hope that you will walk away from this knowing that it definitely has been impactful for me. And I know there's going to be another mama who hears it and who says, like, yes, Shana, like, thank you so much for sharing and being transparent and letting us in into your experiences within motherhood. And yeah, I just really appreciate you and all that you do. Um, and again, um, just wish you all the best and extend complete grace to you as you continue to mother baby Eden. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for creating such an important platform Um, to help women continue on their journey to being great moms. So you're doing a great job. (laughs) I appreciate that. You take care. As always, it's important for me to know that this podcast 
does not replace being connected or receiving therapeutic services from a licensed mental health clinician. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. You can also find additional resources on episode two, one being postpartum.net, where you can get connected with support groups, as well as therapists, psychiatrists, other providers within your community that may be of service to you on your motherhood journey. Again, that resource is postpartum.net, but you can find additional ones on episode two. Thank you.